Hello, it's Josiah from the future. Uh, hi, I am editing the episode right now, and uh, I just wanted to let you know at the beginning of the episode we had some technical issues throughout the episode. Uh, my computer did some stupid stuff, and the audio did some stupid stuff. On the whole, it's still a listenable episode, nothing terrible, but somewhere about the halfway mark, uh, around the hour mark or so, you're gonna hear just an audio change happen. It's fine, just be ready for that. Uh, it's, this was kind of the best we could do with the circumstances. Uh, anyway, uh, enjoy. I mean, so if the energy department goes rogue, that's a deep state technically, right? Which is funny, because you don't ever think about that. Because when I think of the deep state, I think of, like, the CIA or whatever going rogue. The deep state could just be, like, the EPA just decides that they, that fuck Trump, and they just kind of start doing their own thing. <laughs> to be fair, the energy department just, makes a ton of sense, right? There's got to be a lot that happens there, because that's, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, that actually, kind of no, thing. you're right. Sorry, I, I was thinking environmental when I was saying it, but, like... Oh. Yeah, energy department actually makes sense. But yeah, I'm just thinking of like HUD or something just being like... <laughs> like, fuck it, everyone gets a house. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that's a deep state I can get behind. That's that's a deep state I am all about, man. I am um, about yes. that. But like, what would the energy department do, right? Turn off the power grids? Well, cool. They can only turn I... off the federal power grids. But I think it's more of a matter of no, you know, knowing things, right? The energy department likely knows a lot of things, certainly and they're likely involved in a lot of uh, in a lot of different things because you know everything revolves around energy and fuel and oil and this and that. And, you know, there there are some that would argue that our our military presence is largely determined by things that concern the energy department. You're right. Some so, would say that's why we got into the war in Iraq, even. What a crazy thing to say. I know. <laughs> yeah, no, so the, so the energy department as a deep oh. state would be just fascinating. Oh. The energy department did 9-11. The energy department did 9-11. That's, I'm, That's our new I'm, platform. I'm, I'm, That's our platform. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. Quote makes Trevor. Sense. No. Yep. <laughs> Trevor said that. I did not. But oh, God. actually, actually, so there are... Oh, oh, oh. Welcome, to, welcome to the podcast, Very Legal, Very Cool. Um... <laughs> Hosted by NPR, uh, we're, okay, we're like walking I, right into right into the content. Yeah, I got a <laughs> I got a question for you guys real quick, but I think it's the you're answering it by getting quiet. Right, you guys can hear me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I got a fun uh, update of something that's happening, um, but we uh-huh. can still do the show. It's just going to be annoying. Uh, 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 I think I've discussed my uh, my computer having screen issues. <laughs> Well, the screen yes. issues, stopped. they went away for the last few days. So I didn't have to use, like, my girlfriend's laptop like I did in the last episode. Um, anyway, so they're back, but <laughs> it's recording. So if somebody, like, if I can just, I could just keep recording and then, you know, somebody else will, I'll just have to do it on my phone. The command to end the recording. Right. But anyway, yeah. I don't as have a as computer long as you can anymore. Send it. <laughs> <laughs> I am just sitting in a room talking now. That's what's happening. I actually have a question like... for you guys before we before we start. Uh, all, right. all right. What are you drinking? Ooh, oh shit! Wow. We're doing this before the intro. Even this is exciting. This is wild. 
I I love it. We could do it again. Know, guests... We could do it again. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. I, you know what? I'll I'll start. I'm I'm drinking water, and I've got an emergency Miller Light just in case things get wild. That's exciting, dude. Thanks. Uh, I'm I'm drinking two things at once right now. Uh, I'm Whoa. drinking a lemon truly. Of course you are. And on brand. I'm drinking yes on brand. And then I'm drinking a variation on the uh, vodka drink, which Rose gave me the recipe for on the absinthe episode. Um, This is also the last episode we're recording, most likely, where I'm eating low carb. So uh, I'll be just drinking some just like liquid bread uh, next episode. (laughs) Fantastic. Trevor, Trevor, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Blue Point Toasted Lager. Because uh, there's a nice. there's a brewing company down in Long Island called Blue Point, mm. and I'm drinking nice. a toasted lager right now. Nice. And how is it? It's good. I really like it. It is quickly becoming you know one of my go to beers. And you know when when compared to other toasted lagers you've had in your life, where where does it stand? There was one that I had down at Kelleher's back in college that was better, mm-hmm. but I was smashed, so I have no idea what it was even called. Um, that's fair so to do a true one-to-one you will need to get smashed and then try another one of these i think that's blue points fair enough you you successfully convinced me good work well okay all right let's let's officially uh introduce the show uh welcome to uh very legal very cool the internet's only legal podcast the back to school uh special that's what i did that's what i did a plus, A plus on the end credits. So that's that's a good segue into the show here. So, you know, welcome everybody. Today we have a unique guest who uh, is not only Q from Four <laughs> and Eight Chan, but also Trevor, my friend from college, who's a lawyer. Hey. Hey, Trevor, tell us about your job. So I'm in public service, and uh, a little bit of what I do is people come to me with with ideas and problems, and they say, this is a problem in this this area, and uh, and we need a solution for it. And what I do is I say, all right, cool. Well, this is how we do it. And and I sit at a desk for 8 to 12 hours a day, and I, and I say, all right, you have this problem. How do we solve this problem? And there's, and, and, and no one's ever satisfied with like one answer, right? So you always have to sure. come up with like multiple different ones. It's like, okay, well, how do we do this? We've got option one. We've got option two. We've got option three. And then we've got option nuke it from orbit. Right. Um, and this sounds very similar to the role of ex-CIA director Richard Helms when asked um, by the U.S. government to subvert um, leftist organization in the United States. Do you care to comment on your role in this? Um, I can say that my name is not Richard Helm. In fact, in fact, I could actually say that it's a little bit different because I'm not working with organizations. I'm working with entire communities. Mm. Oh, okay. I got a follow up question. Uh, what's it? Uh, what's it like to be a deep state agent? It's fucking bonkers. Um, if you told me, like a decade ago, that I would, that I would be in like public service and someone would be able to seriously ask me, you know, what's it like being a deep state agent? I'd be like, well, I don't know. Like, if you had told me that, I'd have been like, get the fuck out of here, man. 
right and now it's like like having worked in public service i'm like like i don't trust that there's a deep state because like there's a lot of idiots in public service right (laughs) case in point case in point me so trevor uh the law what is it oh god I didn't prep for this. Um, <laughs> the law. Didn't you just fucking take the bar? Isn't that what aren't, the aren't bar exam lawyer? is? I took, the, I took the bar exam like a year ago. But that, so a year ago, didn't you, you learn this in answer, lawyering 101? You had to answer the hardest version of law. What is it? There are so there are. There's a serious answer and then there's a not serious answer. The not serious answer is that the law is some raggedy bitch who just likes to fuck with college students but the serious answer is that the law is really dependent on your worldview there's basically three ish different ways to view the law there is the law as like a standalone almost like a standalone organism right it is a truth all on its own and there is the belief that that the law is a tool to be used in the furtherance of agendas and then there's the belief that the law is a is a reflection of cultural values. So that's the serious answer. Is that like what, really what about a uh, law? Law is a reflection of the economic system. That would be that would be the that would be like a the law as a tool because the law as a function of the economic system is that the wealthy use the law and they pass laws to protect their own economic interests. Right. Yeah, uh, you just got lawyered. Yeah, I was just trying to mark the lawyer. Uh, you. You can't marks me, man. I'm already there. Uh, oh, okay. I was, I'm not I was as I'm let, not as was, deep into leftist Twitter as you are, but yeah, but for probably probably for the best. Uh, it's not a great place. Twitter in general is not a great place to be. No, not nothing about Twitter is good or healthy or. I I had a friend text me the other day recently, and he was like, "I'm so glad you got me into Twitter." And I was like, "That is a sentence I have never heard." <laughs> I, I give think, it a week. Yeah, give it a little bit longer. He's like starting to get into the shit posty sense of humor, but give it a couple months when he's just kind of vaguely angry at everything, and and you'll kind of lose that. I will say there there is nothing else in my life that I dedicate as much time to, but am as wholly apathetic if not discontent with as twitter twitter i i increasingly spend like two years ago i spent no time on twitter and just this past week i got my metrics i spent like four hours a day on twitter and i'm like no it's wholly ambivalent about it it, okay, look, so, like, Twitter's weird because, on the one hand, the reason at least I keep wanting to spend more time on it is because you know, there's funny people, but then also, like, as BLM kind of broke out, like, the mainstream press, like, I witnessed in my own hometown at events I was at, was just shitting the bed on reporting it. But, like, people that were there were, like, doing the reporting. And so it's like you almost have a better sense of what's going on with politics if you're on Twitter. Like, I, I mean, I was looking at, like, uh, I have uh, the Ground News app, which is, like, a really good news app that, like, you know, sorts news by bias. And it, like, compiles, like, all news sources, even the most obscure. Um, hmm. And, like, they they there are things, like, I saw the Beirut explosion happen on before it was on that app because of Twitter, right? Yeah. Um, 
So that's cool. But on the other hand, uh, I just now find it funny to add the word pilled at the end of <laughs> random words. So it's really like, I don't know if it's good or bad or what it is. It, Would you say that you have become Twitter pilled? I've been Twitter pilled. I've been podcast pilled. Uh, and Trevor here is guest pilled. Oh, fuck. All right. Fine. Um, yeah. yeah so. We don't swear on this podcast. Um, yeah, we don't. Sh- shoot. Heck. Thank, oh. thank you. Um, yeah, no, I am wholly ambivalent about Twitter and I've been spending increasing amounts of time on it. I try to actively avoid things like contentious topics, but Mm -hmm. you can't avoid it anymore. I mean, for God's sakes, Oprah Winfrey just bought like, like 40 billboards in, uh, in, what is it? Kentucky or Tennessee? That's like a Respiriana Taylor's killers, like good cause. Good cause, but if you're going to Twitter to not keep up on politics, like, oh, geez, bad you're idea. in the wrong place. Oh, man. I, I'm I feel always like... fascinated by, like, sports Twitter, because that just seems mm-hmm. like like it's just its own thing, and, like, but... I don't know what's going on there, because, this... like, I'm so deep in the politics side. I, I don't know. Oh, This yeah. gets to what I don't like about Twitter, is, like, the more I talk to more people who have kind of diverse perspectives of Twitter, the more I'm finding that Twitter is essentially a different website for different people, which really makes me question what my own Twitter is and what sort of biases it's reinforcing. If it's reinforcing biases that, you know, maybe I don't agree with as well. Right. I think, I think that's why it's helpful to use phrases though, like left Twitter or like for me, like weird lefty Christian Twitter or something like that, because you're very aware of like the corner of Twitter you're on and not like, and and, and acknowledging Maybe. that like, I don't know, for me anyway, that's helpful because like. But at the end of the day, you're still allowing, uh, you know, is it a multi-billion dollar corporation to, uh, you know, to filter your news. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. um, <laughs> I, so I was, I, I worked really hard over several years and I only kind of, since I've become more active in Twitter, I've gotten like more blended, but I worked really hard for the first few years I had Twitter to literally just stay on the shit posting side of Twitter. Yeah. Like the really stupid jokes. And, and now it's like, now like scrolling through my feed is this weird like uh, like amalgamation <laughs> of like shit posting and politics. Yeah, there was a weird shift, and I'd say I don't know if it's a bad thing or not, but there was a weird shift where all those like shit posting accounts, and I remember from like 2014 when I was <laughs> using Twitter, just became communists. I, I, <laughs> like that just kind of happened. <laughs> Deep state propaganda. I, I I don't know. I woke up one day and then suddenly I was a communist too. Like I was like <laughs> looking down at my own attire and I'd been infected by it. I was like, "What is happening?" You got that communist Rona. Yeah, I got it. I it's was just, infected. One day you woke up. You're wearing a Che Guevara shirt and you just don't yeah. know what happened. Which is extremely funny. <laughs> I think I think it's one of the best. There's like two examples of like really genius uses of capitalism mm-hmm. and one of them one of them is the the guy fox mass that became <laughs> after v for vendetta like they're being yeah. mass produced like like what a what a great way because like the, they were used especially in 2010 ish they were used mm-hmm. during the occupy movement but like what a great way 
to capitalize on people pissed off about capitalism than by selling Guy Fox masks. And the oh, second no one is by selling Che Guevara shirts. I think yeah, because both of those like movements are like anti-capitalist. They're both There's, like well, fuck capitalism. Well, one of my favorite songs is a uh, festival song by Jeff Rosenstock, um, and it's just literally about that. It's just making fun of specifically punk culture, but it you know mm-hmm. you can like generalize it about generally like the bigger thing. Like the line in it is. Uh, this is not a movement. It's just careful entertainment for an easy demographic in our sweatshop denim jackets. I love that line so much. But yeah, it, it's like I, I found that always like a really fascinating thing that like the counterculture gets like move like like eaten by the culture and it just mm-hmm. kind of becomes part of uh, capital, part of whatever. Yeah, I think I think that capitalism is so entrenched that like you can't extricate yourself from it as soon as you're like. Oh, let's no. let's get out of the capitalist system and do things that are you know let's adopt these symbols you know they are you know uh, uh quickly appropriated by capitalism for like fucking money exactly right. and you you and, would and, essentially and, have to into your into the wild yourself but even that you know the story yeah. was then sold for other people's gain right i, I mean so i mean look at burning man yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah like Burning Man, Bonnaroo, like any, know, any any festival, really. The only answer, I think, is to start a podcast. Um, and unrelated to that, you should subscribe to our Patreon. Um, mm-hmm. We got a few. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm not even going to fold. We'll circle back around to that. <laughs> Support our leftism with your cash. <laughs> but speaking of uh, capitalism... <laughs> leftism politics twitter trevor why are you here today i am here yeah what do you want to get out of this i would (laughs) love to talk about the deep state you know i said you know i mentioned i was in i'm in public service i find the deep state so fascinating Mm -hmm. and compelling as like as like a narrative i find it super compelling uh but that's why i'm here it's because i really really want to talk about it like Jones and hard, Jones and hard for some of this delightful deep state uh, conversation. Well, let's talk about it. Let's, uh, you know, take it away. Give us the intro and we'll see where it goes. Right. So like, so like, let's, I had a professor in school who, uh, who always like started any sort of a lesson. He was always like, as always, let's begin at the beginning. So let's begin at the beginning. Right. So Mm -hmm. a conspiracy theory, because, because at its core, the deep state, is a conspiracy theory because a conspiracy theory is by definition a belief that there's some shadowy group behind some event and you know there's a lot of really good examples of this second shooter on the grassy knoll the queen had princess diana killed so there has to be some underlying event you can't use a non-event as a conspiracy theory what about the theory that jfk's head just kind of did that (laughs) well Yeah, I mean that that's a conspiracy theory, but there are two things that makes that that make conspiracy theories stick. Right two. First is that there's some basis in evidence. And second is that it has to minimize the cognitive dissonance. So, we you know, we had this Pruder film that showed JFK getting killed. That film shows like clearly it doesn't have the frame rate to see a bullet. So like mm. 
is there a conspiracy that JFK's head just kind of exploded? Yeah, sure. But if the onion is to be, kind of, be believed, yes. Right. But so what kind of evidence do we have? Like, how do we how do we make the few logical jumps to blow someone's head? What can we what can, what do we say? What do we know can make someone's head explode? You know, bullets. Right. Bombs. Small explosives. You know, yeah. Two pizza and like, paddles. Right. And like when I was so when I was a kid, I had I was very, very popular and I played a tabletop like D&D kind of game called World of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the concepts in this game is that like magic exists. Right. But mm-hmm. magic has to exist in the con- in the context of what is called the consensus, meaning a group of people have a set uh, understanding and anticipation of the way that the world works. Mm-hmm. And so you can do magic, but it has to minimally impact other people's anticipations and beliefs of how the world works. So, for example, if magic exists and the consensus is right, it would violate the consensus for me to make a fireball in my hands and throw it, causing an explosion 35 feet away. Because, like, everything that we know about science and about the world says that you can't just create fire out of nothing. But if I use magic to make a fireball look like a like a like a, a gas pipe exploded that minimalizes the, the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so like therefore you're performing magic but you're performing magic in a way that doesn't disrupt people's anticipations yeah so, well so I, interesting I, I, I think or sorry go ahead josiah well i was gonna say like this is there's something i i, I would say like I, i'll throw out like i I see a really uh, a thing that fits into this quite a bit on the left among the authoritarian left, which is maybe something most maybe people listening don't get into on Twitter, but I I, I know my share of it. But uh, like the the the, the like the, the conspiracy of uh, Holodomor uh, denial. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but the the Ukrainian famine that Stalin, um, depending on historians, either perpetrated intentionally or um, you know, or, or, or just kind of irresponsibly handled and thus led to a famine. Um, there's a lot of denial of it and to, to, to an extreme that like, uh, there's a lot of Leninists that get platformed who are quoting this book from the eighties from this like Canadian Soviet hired journalist who like claims that all evidence of the Ukrainian famine was, was, uh, uh, just, just these, these, uh, Nazi sources and la di da da um, but the reason that you do like you you have that impulse is because if you're like a communist, like the Soviet Union is one of the prime examples of communism happening in the world. And so the the impulse is like, well, I don't want to I don't want to believe that this this happened under the supervision of communism. And so I just don't believe this famine happened. I don't believe four million people died. You want to believe in the best parts of, you know, your belief structure, right? That's right. why, and, mm-hmm. and that's, I think, pretty normal, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and I, and I think that, that, you know, um, everyone has like some sort of a, something that they believe in a little bit more than anything else. You could be like super duper rational, which is why you find people that like, um, have these kooky views about like anti-vax, about like the government's trying to microchip you by, giving you a covid vaccination like that's these people just want to believe that the government's after them right and so like you do have like a little bit of that and you want to believe in the best in it and so like 
in terms of like communism, you kind of want to minimize. There's this deep, mm-hmm. almost almost animalistic pull to kind of deny bad things that happened, right? You know, we yeah, want right. to, we want to ignore the Jewish pogroms in Russia because like because like communism is a good thing. So you want to minimize minimalize that. And the same way that we're like, oh yeah, we want to minimalize the atrocities that you know John D. Rockefeller did, you know, right. in, or, in sending or in the, the Pinkerton the, boys the... to break up the the unions, because like Americans want to believe that capitalism is this great thing, right? Or right? or just frankly ignoring or ignoring like native genocide, you know, because you know that that throws a wrench into the kind of foundational myth of America, right? And thing. even. Even another layer to that, to, uh, you know, to your uh, point, like about magic earlier, like trying to explain away a lot of native rituals with mental illness, right? It's like, oh, well, he was schizophrenic or he was bipolar and not a shaman. Right. And there Mm -hmm. was uh, about a year, year and a half ago, I was still in school. It was a while ago. Um, There was a, I watched a Flat Earth documentary series on Netflix. Nice. We gotta do an episode on the flat Earth. At oh, some we point. will. They're they're we in will. the in the like, you know, extended VLVC universe, but we just haven't like done like, it yet. Well, and so like one of the things is like they did experiments, and they're like, <laughs> their experiments. If you look at the data that they collected, like their mm-hmm. their their academic standards were like rigorous, mm-hmm. and they and like, you know, they basically in these experiments show that there had to have been a curve on. Uh, there has to be a curve of the earth. Mm-hmm. Well, as a result, they found this and like, they just minimalized it because it, it violates you know, what they wholly believe as the truth. And so they're right. like, they're like, Oh, we, we just made a mistake. We, we made a mistake somewhere. We're going to have to redo this somewhere. It's like, right. and I, I, no, you did yeah. it right. Yeah, I, I, find, I found that there's a lot of gut feeling that connects to that. Yeah. Like, I, find, well, I feel I, that it's this way. Sorry, go ahead. I find that, you know, the deep state is very compelling because like, you know, I work in public service. There's a, there's a lot of truth to it, but it's not the same. It's not the same truth as like, there is a deep state that everyone thinks about. It's just kind of like a dumb deep state. That's a function of population <laughs> size. Well, uh, yeah. Like, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll throw in to kind of remind people, cause I don't expect people to be listening back into our old episodes, you know, as, as we're getting better at this and stuff. But like the thesis statement we threw out there in the episode we did on Roswell, um, which is seeming to grow into being the thesis statement of this show. Whenever we get into these kind of conspiracy topics specifically is that, Conspiracy theories have a truth to them. Uh, they're not true in the details of what they're, you know, what's being talked about generally. Uh, but there's a truth to them. It's just that the truth is more banal than the conspiracy theory. And the conspiracy theory is exciting. Yeah, it's the, not uh, as sexy you know, as you would think it is. Yeah, like, right. like um, you know, the, the quick version of the Roswell incident, like, that we did was, like, you know, it, it probably wasn't aliens, but it was a weather balloon connected to an illegal nuclear testing, uh, yeah. you know, project, which is boring, but it was illegal and it was right. a conspiracy. <laughs> I mean, that said, though, I, I don't think that I, I think that there is a qualifier for, you know, there are outliers like MK Ultra, where yes. oh, it was MK every Ultra bit is... as fucked up as the conspiracy <laughs> theory demanded. And so I. That's that's kind of one of the exciting things about conspiracy theories and even the deep state in that, right? 
and what you had talked about earlier, Trevor, as there must be some sort of evidence that that people are able to latch on to to believe these things. But um, sometimes these things are real. Sometimes right. it's even crazier than the conspiracy itself. You know, truth is stranger than fiction, which is the fascinating rabbit hole that I think has us all keeps us all coming back to these topics because there's always going to be that what if, right? You know, what if yeah. it wasn't really a weather balloon and so on and so forth? Come on, it wasn't a weather balloon. We know it was alien balloons. spacecraft, obviously. <laughs> well, it was an alien weather balloon. <laughs> it was an <laughs> alien weather balloon. Yeah, they're, they're trying to terraform the United States. Exactly. That's the that official take for V Legal V Cool. Yeah. I, I buy it. Well, so, so, like, in terms of evidence and, like, minimally counterintuitive, right? Mm hmm. Let's take the JFK assassination, for example. Yes, And just please. kind of tease this out. It's easy to believe that there's a second shooter on the grassy knoll because this Bruder film cut off before we got there, so we never saw it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are analyzing the video to say, like, oh, well, he had to have been shot from this direction or this direction or this direction. And, like, it's a video from 1963. Like, right. come on. But... There's a reason why that's the conspiracy or that, like, the CIA ordered a hit on JFK through um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason those are the, you know, those are the conspiracies. Those are the theories. And not like, and not like, oh, yeah, Russia dropped a bomb on the car and right. that killed JFK. Because, like, because, like, we have it on video, right? And, like, yes, you can fake a video. But, mm -hmm. like, we also have. I don't know if we had the, the technology in 1963 to necessarily fake a video in that kind of way that would like show someone alive and then show someone getting shot and killed. And then like, yeah. we also have like Jackie O was a witness and you can pay off witnesses, but you know, we also have the car and like mm -hmm. you can do DNA tests on it. That's the car that JFK died in. So right. like clearly there wasn't a bomb dropped on the car. So that kind of a theory of like bomb drop killed JFK. There's that's not, of a compelling or durable conspiracy theory because it's so easily just thought through and been like, but we have the car, we have Jackie O's dress, we have pictures of her bloodstained in Air Force One as LBJ is getting sworn in. Right. So, so with that in mind, let's just think a little bit about the deep state. So, what is the deep state, right? Because for the viewers, for the listeners, the deep state is basically a theory that there are two governments in the United States. And there's, you know, the one that everyone learns about in school. You have the legislative branch, the judicial branch, the executive branch. And then there's the other one. This, And the other one is the deep state. Deep state, and it's this secret administrative deep state with their own agenda that say, like, we want these specific things to happen. And it's not necessarily, like, Illuminati, satanic cult, sacrificing children in the basement of a pizza joint but it sure could um, be it certainly could be <laughs> <laughs> well and so like let's think about that so there are these two things well what's the evidence that exists for the secret administrative deep state that has its own separate agenda that just can't be stopped by a political outsider such as the current president what's the evidence well you know we have courts that say like you can't rescind daca we have courts that say, like, no, you can't do X or Y or Z. And also, 
you know, you would say, for example, if there wasn't a deep state on day one, on January 17th, 2017, the wall mm-hmm. would have started getting built. But there are like internal, you know, rules and regulations and things that prevented that. And so like, here we are right. in August of 2020 with no wall, right? Right. So like, is that evidence for it for a deep state? Possibly. But let's talk about, you know, kind of why it seems like there's a deep state. In every, even if you think about the very visible, you know, the very visible aspects of government, Congress, um, and the president, behind mm-hmm. each of those, there's a whole cadre of like professionals. Um, you know, in state governments, for example, you have you have people who will spend their entire careers as administrative assistants at the capital of Illinois, of Wisconsin, of New York, of California, and they don't they're not really super partisan. They just kind of do their job. You know, they have their day-to-day. They pick up the phones. They schedule meetings. They greet mm-hmm. interns. They do X and Y and Z. Even that is like a deep state a little bit, right? Because they don't... Right. They're not really beholden to voters. They just right. kind of like it, answer phones. It's any power that's happening behind the scenes, which, you know, I, I'm sure there's a good case to be made that that's you know, most of the power, right? Yeah, it's it's certainly a, a compelling. It's certainly it's certainly an argument to be made that not that it's a power behind the scenes, but that it's just a power that can't that's unaccountable. Right? right. That's that's I think at the core of the deep state is that it's unaccountable to the American people. And like yes, a um you know an administrative assistant, a scheduler at a state capitol or in a congressperson's office or in a senator's office, that's like super not to be held to account because like why would you want to have an election to vote in secretaries every four years every right. two years right it's, it's dumb so there's that and like those are and and sure there are like you know you do have congress people who pull in like oh yeah this person worked in my you know my state legislative office so i'm going to pull them down because i know that they can do the work and i know that they're on board and they know how i think in terms of policy and legislation but, but not everyone. Like, good luck trying to convince uh, an administrative assistant, a scheduler who's been working in the state capitol for, like, 30 years and has, right. like, and that, kids in the area to just up and move to, to D.C. Right. And, and there's also, you know, along with that, the, the people who don't directly work for the state government, people who aren't in any way elected or even on government payroll who may be lobbyists or... Uh, as part of interest well, groups or think tanks beyond or, I mean, that. even more so that, that they're, well, I mean, I guess maybe not, but, but people who are like hired by the government, but they're private contractors. Um, like that's, that's a big theme in uh, uh, Edward Snowden's autobiography, uh, Permanent Record, which is a good read for anybody who wants to read it. Um, but just that like, so much of our government decisions is actually made by like these private companies that are getting hired to just like store government data or do government analysis um, and like the re- or government surveillance. But like the reason that like like what the government kind of like relies on is the assumption that they don't really know what they're analyzing. Um, but if they like did, they can really do a lot. Um and you know Edward Snowden's leaks kind of demonstrated how that could be the case, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's right. So that actually leads into the next, 
you know, concept, quote unquote, of the deep state, which is that beyond like the everyday staffers in congressional offices who like, it's really easy just to go back to that because I'm really fascinated by it. It's really easy to like imagine a circumstance where like all of this, all of the administrative assistants, all the secretaries, all the schedulers, all of the, you know, you know, kind of nonpartisan staff people in offices, you know, sit down and they say, and they say, okay, cool. We're going to lose this memo on this bill repeal. We're going to lose it. And like that could do like, that's, that's a deep state kind of conspiracy. But if you go beyond that and say like, okay, let's think about the real administrative quote unquote administrative deep state. There's a lot of validity to it, right? You know, the, the U.S. government has just dozens of agencies. You've got the IRS, the State Department, the Commerce Department, DOD, Treasury. You know, you've got the Energy Department, and you've got, you know, the, and the Environmental Agency, the EPA. So each of these, there are so many people in each of these agencies that you can't staff them with partisan agents. That's like, okay, we're going to drain the swamp. And then every like four years, you flip a switch and everyone's gone. And the reason for that is because like, A, there's not enough substantive knowledge in, there's not enough substantive knowledge available to just do that. I don't know many nuclear physicists who are deep, who like nuclear physicists who are so deeply ingrained in partisan politics that they could just be brought on to be some low level staffer at the energy department. Right. I have no idea. Um, So there's like, a lot of specialized knowledge and you know you just can't put on a party official mm-hmm. so a lot of administrations particularly on the federal level just kind of keep people on and the reason why these agencies are so large and so complex because as a result of just keeping people on and as the country grows and as like our energy needs become more um become more uh, complex and demanding and as mm-hmm. our economy, you know, continues to plummet into freefall, we need a much more complex system available to, you know, yes. administer those states, those kind of agencies. And so it creates basically a pyramid where at the top you've got a political appointee that's confirmed by the Senate, but then below them you've just got people that are just like appointed, and then below them you've got people that are like we're appointing them, and then below that it's just everyday staffers. So the day to day of like people like people, you know, at the Treasury Department, keeping an eye on, keeping an eye on, you know, the African u- uranium markets. That's like that's important, but that's not done by political people. They they will sit down right. and they'll write up a report saying like, oh yeah, by the way, Sub-Saharan Africa has you know has seen a massive you know outflux of stolen emeralds from South Africa, and so like. And so you're, and so you know, they give that to the to the leaders, and the leaders are like, "Oh, cool! So there's going to be an influx in the global economy of of emeralds. So therefore, the price of emeralds is going to probably plummet." And so, like, that's that's kind of how that goes. Well, yeah. the second part of like why it's so big is because there's 300 million Americans. Like, you can't run the tax revenue. You can't run the tax service with like eight people. Sorry, it hasn't right. been updated since the 70s. We're still using software from, like, the 90s. It's it's so far behind that you just can't do it. <laughs> and, like, the audits are done by accountants, you know, right? Yeah. You have, right. you have, you know, accountants who 
do these audits and they're like, okay, you know, everything seems to match up. But not only that, you have, you know, you have all of these low-level staffers that yeah. have been doing their job for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and they do their job, right? Well, each of these agencies, the IRS, State Department, Commerce Department, every single one has what is called um, an enabling statute. And basically, the enabling statute of all of these agencies says, it's the governing document. It says, if you want, if the agency, if, you know, the Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, wants to do something, he has to follow this specific rule and this specific mm-hmm. process by which he does something. And, and if you don't, then, like, that decision gets rolled back. It gets undone. Yeah. And if, let's imagine a circumstance where we create the brand new uh, uh, Department of Law, which is the Justice Department, but like the Department of Law, and, you know, it monitors very legal, very cool, right? Yeah. Because it's so niche, you have two options there. You could either say, all right, well, we're going to create an enabling statute that says this is how we're going to govern podcasting legal podcasting specifically right well it's so niche that that's a lot of work so what they do is they rely on what's called the administrative procedures act and the administrative procedures act is like basically a a catch-all where if if an agency predates or doesn't have an enabling statute you use the apa and so that even that even so i believe i'm not super familiar with it because i'm a hack and a fraud but i don't think the (laughs) state department has an enabling statute i think Mm. there are different like administrative acts relating to the state department but let's imagine that that those don't exist because the state department predates the apa so if you want to pass a rule at the state department you still have to follow apa procedures and that's kind of like why you know and that's the fact that you have these rules where if you violate the rules the courts will come in and be like no get the fuck out of here like that's why the the belief in in a administrative state seems to resist change yeah because mm. they are ingrained and treated to resist change so like similar case right you take daca for example mm-hmm. even if you think that that president obama was wrong and acted unconstitutionally he apparently followed all the administrative rules to um to, to perform daca so when the current president president trump was like i'm gonna roll back daca the courts were like, you can't fucking do that. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, and so like, it's, it's clever. So like when you compare that resistance and then like, uh, as we get deeper into social media, you know, we have, we have these not insane, but these like really, really fascinating people who understand social media. You know, mm-hmm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is really good at Twitter. Donald yeah. Trump is arguably really good at Twitter really bad at politics, but really good at Twitter. So you could be like honest and be like, oh yeah, the court said that I did this administrative thing wrong. And that's not sexy. It might be what right. happened in terms of rescinding DACA. That might be what happened. But like someone who's really good at social media uh, kind of chases this narrative and says, well, the deep state loves immigration. They love illegal immigrants. Because they, because they like voter fraud or blah, 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 blah. So the people don't want it, but the deep state loves it. And the courts, which are arguably a part of this deep state, you know, are, you know, trying to, trying to thwart the American people. 
Yeah, I it's, I like it's a combination of it's a combination of just institutional resistance because of statutory knowledge and awareness and like really clever narration. Yeah, and I mean, you know, similar to that, I liken the deep state to uh to, you know, toxins or chemicals in your food, right? And so it's this thing that can be used very easily as a scapegoat without actually needing to define what it is. Because if you ask, you know, even if you were to ask Donald Trump, what is the deep state? I think that he would struggle to give you a coherent answer. Um, but, you know, even somebody a little bit more uh, <laughs> more eloquent okay. might struggle to give a coherent answer of what exactly is the deep state. Well, OK, so so. I, what I, I, I kind of want to play with here is the definition of, like, deep state and then, like, bureaucracy, which is kind of what we seem to be teasing at here. Because, mm-hmm. like, b- bureaucracy is kind of an interesting thing. Like, the level of just, like, you know, employees of employees of employees of employees of the state, you know, um, is not something that our constitutional, like... 18th century liberal like notions was was even prepared for like when it comes to like or, or you know it, it's it's you know this whole new entity really like the fact that you know major decisions can be kind of like made by just like dudes who are just kind of hired by the state they're not really you know uh, elected or whatever you know yeah that's bureaucracy bureaucracy's fucked up mm-hmm. um but deep state like I keep coming back to it. What, what deep state, like the term comes from uh, uh, Darren Devlet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It's a Turkish term, but it's, it, you know, it refers to a thing that actually happened. It was, it was a real thing. Um, it's not a conspiracy theory. And it was just like, you know, kind of this coalition between like the Turkish military and security agents and the judiciary and the mafia. So it's a little beyond bureaucracy. It's like all those unelected officials working kind of in a a, a body to like make decisions outside of the state rather than just like a naturally occurring phenomenon that happens from the needless um you know atomization or not the the needless complexity that bureaucracy provides so 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 what, what 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 divides yeah deep state from just uh weird shit that happens because you have a too complex or uh, bureaucracy right well and trevor i think correct me if i'm wrong but what you were trying to say is uh, you're saying that the that that bureaucracy is the kind of the actuality of the deep state whereas um, right you know the deep state itself is commonly thought of as like the illuminati yeah that's exactly right so so yeah so there is you know in I think it's a I think it's a clever um, characterization to say that the deep state is, you know, this immense administrative bureaucracy, which it is. It is it is the United States is a huge bureaucracy, but there is I think the way that it's been used a lot, especially in the context of drain the swamp, is mm. um, is functionally the exact same thing as a bureaucracy, and I think that that the best. The closest thing to this uh, Durand Devlet, which is, I, I think that, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea. I don't speak Turkish. Would be actually, right, yeah. would actually be something closer to like the justice system. You know, and that's because in the justice, in the justice department, you have, you have the FBI, you have 
DHS, which is like, for some reason, the Secretary of Homeland Security is like equal to the Attorney General, but also the DHS mm. like serves the Justice Department. But like, you have a bunch of different like agencies, sub agencies under the Justice Department, and and that's you know one of the things that we saw in especially. I think it was 2013 when Edward Snowden, like, you know, released all of his docs. Right, right. Was that, like, we now know that the Department of Homeland Security and, you know, the FBI and whomever can just up and use data and find data on you. Yeah. Which is, like, which is, and so, like, the idea that the justice system is the closest thing to this um, Turkish deep state is because that's such a much more um, robust um, bureaucracy mm. and they well, and, and we do have in the United States we do have a culture of an independent uh, justice system and an are, independent are, judiciary is are, 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 are we spe- specifically talking about justice or also like defense uh, because I think when you start getting into kind of FBI but then also like CIA and shit like that that like that, that that's that's also getting into like the the realm of military and defense right um, because, like, the thing about Deep State, based off of the, you know, half hour of Wikipedia research I did before this episode, so don't ever take me seriously, um, is, like, like Deep State is kind of a weird thing, because, like, there's what we'll get into with, like, Q and Sovereign Citizens. There's, like, the right-wing form of it. But, like, uh, I'm trying to find the... There's a guy that claimed that um, Obama was the result of... Um, like Obama, not not Obama being a deep state agent, but like uh, he he was forced into the um, you know the Afghani uh, Afghanistan resurgence and all, all of the, the the shit that happened uh, related to the Middle East under the Obama administration was not really Obama, but it was like the deep state uh, pushing for you know the de- defense or military or whatever which i but think is be, maybe getting obama fair, off the hook but i i but that's kind of what i mean is like when i when i think more and more of the deep state i do think of a uh, a marriage between the justice department and the the, the justice DOD. and defense yeah right. yeah but which is i feel just, like that's likely true of much of what any president does though right you know they are not mm-hmm. necessarily the, just sitting there calling shots all day no, no, I mean, like, they feasibly can. Um, right. This is a weird example, but there's this uh, very weird game um, called uh, Democratic Socialist Simulator. Oh, hell yeah. Um, is it yeah, better yeah, or worse you... than the GOAT Simulator? No, no, it's, yeah, well, it's it's much worse, it's sadder. Um, no, it's just a really simple Flash kind of game, but it gives you a gist of, like, how difficult it is to implement like socialism through a democratic government, get democratic liberal government like we have or, you know, Europe has. Um, But I always like how the military advisors are in it where the cue that comes up is they'll be like, uh, Hey, we just need a little more funding. Um, And there's two options or like three options, I think, which is you give them the funding. You don't give them the funding or you ask them what the fuck is the funding for? (laughs) <laughs> because the the reason that they're asking it the way they do is like they they kind of sarcastically because it's you know a bunch of socialists making the game right. they're sarcastically making it where like the the military advisor always comes in and it's just like hey just need to sign a couple things give us some funding and we'll be good 
And, you know, a good socialist or whatever is supposed to be like, well, what do you need that for? And, and for better or for worse, that kind of has adjusted how I look at, like, the, the Defense Department or whatever, where it, it's just like... I, I they don't know are that that's rogue. A, a good source. No, no, no. No, it's a terrible source. But what I'm saying is, what the, the point they're trying to make is that it's very, uh, you know, just fund us. Well, just, again, you know, like we're, again, we're, we're like kind we, of we don't know that that's true in any any sense of the word, right? I but but I think it is to some but, extent. But that's the problem, right? I, you think it is. Well, I, and I, now I don't know. we're. Like, I mean, I, I I'm not saying that you're wrong or that that's inaccurate, but. You know, let's I, I, let's think I'm about. I'm also what... saying that ba- I'm saying that based off of also Snowden's biography. I'm not just saying it based off the game. That was just a okay. fun example. Sure. No, sure. no. I, yeah, I'm not basing my politics <laughs> off of a democratic socialism simulator. Let me make this because that's clear. really what it sounded like, and I was a little concerned. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The the vodka drink has hit me too hard. I'm not coherent here. What, what I'm, but like, it does seem to be like the defense agency, like Homeland Security or whatever, is both correlated to the 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 executive branch, but also kind of doing its own thing. Yeah, and that's so that's I think actually that's you know so we we start off with saying like okay well the IRS does audits mm. kind of independently because good luck micromanaging the IRS. Right. Right. But the real, you're right, the real, when people think about the deep state, they're thinking about the just, the, the, I I like the way that you put it, the marriage between the Justice Department and the DOD. Mm. Because when you think about it, there's um, certainly, when you think about that, you know, there's certainly some evidence in the past that we just kind of like threw money at different departments in the name of this Mm. big policy. Um, You know, in 2003, 2004, we just started throwing money at the DOD because mm-hmm. we needed to take on the war on terror. And in 2001, we threw money at the DOD because we had to chase down Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. We had to chase them down. My Midwestern slipped out there. I was like, Al-Qaeda. Um, Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda. Um, but yeah, so so like there are a few examples of that. And those are just two examples in my lifetime. You know, in the 1980s, mm-hmm. 1970s, we threw money at the DOD to combat communism. And we kind of did that for like 50 years. So there is like some truth to that, but, but like at its core, like those kinds of like age old problems of like, these are just deeply entrenched and they just kind of ask for money and they kind of sign off and give them the money. That's a function of these deeply entrenched bureaucracies that it's hard to imagine bureaucracies in the context of the DOD, because like, how do you, how do you have the day-to-day, like the day-to-day employees of the Defense Department are the soldiers. Right. But so, Trevor, I think that a lot of the the activity in like the 60s and 70s kind of muddies the water a little bit on the the bureaucracy angle. So, you know, the the a more conventional vision of the deep state and just to, to get this out of the way, you know, each of you first, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear deep state? The FBI. FBI. Yeah, CIA, FBI, some sort of, um, yeah, some sort of inner, deep, dark state. Well, I I can't not think of deep state, not think of Q anymore because of the way that's used. So I try to jump into that in a second. Yeah. So, so yeah, 
but, but yeah, just first so FBI trying CIA, to discredit that... Donald Trump. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, FBI and CIA ties in pretty well with what I was going to say. So, you know, if we look at the uh, Project Chaos with the CIA in the '60s, that consisted of, I believe, at its peak, from what we know, about 51 people, um, and again potentially dubious but apparently was not even um even the the director of the cia did not have a lot of information about what was going on with project chaos and when i think of the deep state again i think more of these these small cells or small groups of people that are pulling the strings um in the back end and not not necessarily the the bureaucratic bloat that occurs though i think that that is a likely explanation for it but but like with with the projects like mk ultra project chaos and a lot of the work done by the fbi and cia to destabilize like the black panther movement that was a very small group working very hard like against working illegally and against the united states citizens um, based on the whims of a very small group of people. Yeah, well, I mean, so, so, so um, I, I think that the, the small group there um, is kind of like a key to a lot of this. Um, so, like, uh, there, there's this physicist, David Robert Grimes, who um, he did this thing where he calculated the likelihood of... Um, like conspiracies and the amount of cut, like the amount of people involved to cover up most of like mainstream conspiracies. And then like how many years it would be like, they would likely get exposed by. And so he did like the moon landing hoax and uh, vaccinations uh, and stuff like that. And all of them were like, you know, these, these require like 411,000 people in the case of the moon landing hoax to like, be involved in this and most likely it comes out in like four years that that yeah. was it that was the odds um as like mk ultra a lot of mk ultra stuff is much smaller and that's i think why it's a more viable way to be concealed that's kind of why I, I think you're right in this like the deep deep state functioning as these like small coalitions within the government of like 40 people is like more likely to be a real thing that happens Um, And I can defend it with, uh, I believe it's a sociologist, um, I don't remember, political scientist. Uh, It was two political scientists, Alistair Smith and Bruce Bueno de Mesquita. I'm Googling it real quick. They wrote a book called The Dictator's Handbook that I read a few few years back. Um, I don't fully buy everything in the book. But I remember them arguing that most governments, um, you can really look, like, look when looking at politics, the main thing you really should look at is small coalition versus big coalition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And small coalition is more likely to be dictatorial than big coalition is like the, the too long didn't read version of the book. Um, Because, you know, you got like five people in a boardroom making decisions versus, you know, uh, thousands of people. And so like conspiracies to me seem to make like more sense when there's smoke, small coalition versus big coalition. Uh, because big coalition is going to be like really hard to sustain. Like the idea that they're they fucking uh, the, the the moon landing is not or the moon landing didn't happen or um, yeah the, the Earth is flat is just it requires so many people to sustain that that 
thing. But MK Ultra is like something the CIA did with like 50 people or maybe more, but you no, know what I mean? Like uh, Project Chaos yeah. specific. Um, and so I, I think it's more of a sustainable idea. And so I, I don't know. This is an idea I'm just working on literally on the air as I'm thinking of it. But I, yeah, I, think, I, I think I'm more likely component. to buy a small coalition. But yeah, go ahead. I think that once you that that changes a little bit once you factor in like the the amount of power that the people in the coalition have. Yeah. Right. And the ability to what Trevor was saying earlier um, to to handle that cognitive dissonance, say, for instance, if we do have a even large group of celebrities that are practicing satanic rituals for funsies. There's a there's an additional level of protection there just in how ridiculous it is and the reputations and power that they have yeah. to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, kind of that's kind of what, you know, when you think about the deep state and you think about even if you think about the small cabal of um, of like minded lizard people who you know are practicing satanic rituals in the basement of a cosmic pizza does does the lizard people sorry does lizard people practicing satan satanic rituals imply a lizard satan which in turn would imply a lizard jesus uh godzilla is a thing so yeah oh obviously sorry dumb question (laughs) go ahead well so so yeah so so i think part of what makes where it like synergizes right because you could have a group of like-minded individuals running the entire country but Mm. The way that it would work, if you're thinking about it practically, right? The way that you would get this Illuminati to 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 rule the world, to rule the country, when these bureaucracies are so huge, you don't have to clue everyone in and get every get everyone in the DOD to sign off on this conspiracy. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is you have to compartmentalize all of that knowledge, and you have to prevent, you know. And I think you mentioned this earlier about like the DHS has like they subcontract out all of data collection and they rely on the data collectors not really knowing like what they're picking up on and what the individual analysts are picking up on because Mm. like that's compartmental compartmentalized information and so that's Mm. this deep state at its core right is that it's this administrative bureaucracy because you have these internal rules that prevent you know they they ostensibly prevent the fbi from just knocking on my apartment door coming in here and being like we fucking got him boys but but it's also it's also this really it's also this really fascinating concept of like compartmentalized information and that's what people think enables it and yeah it's well like so this is a, an interesting tie-in before we get to Q to uh the ufo conspiracy because if you listen to anything if you listen to anything bob lazar has said about his experience, um, you know, his alleged experience with UFOs. Um, basically, what he said when he worked at S4 on the alien spacecraft was there was a, a large culture of you only found out what the, you know, what the absolute minimum of what you needed to know. Mm-hmm. And so even at his supposedly high level, he was really compartmentalized to a very specific subsection of alien spacecraft. Right. And it, for any conspiracy theory, you almost for, for many people working in it might be able to get away with that or do away with that moral component where they don't actually know what they're doing and they, or they believe that they're doing something other than what they are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm 
reminded uh, of Iron Man 3, which yeah. is kind of a heretical thing. It's like, you've got botanists and geneticists who are like working on this this genetic sequencing to help repair plants if you like break plants. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is this like poses some really great issues, some really great implications for things like uh, injured vets. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And they believe that that's all that the project is for. But at the yes. same time, this other group is using their research to create weapons out of that same thing. And that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about there. And I think that's necessary. And in the in the kind of globalized digital world we live in, you cannot just not have compartmentalized information because it's so easy to find anything. Well, it's like anybody who does work on uh, on like hobbyist drones, right? So if you if you work at DG, DJI and you're making their their latest uh, filmmaking drone, I mean you have to assume that 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 research is not only going to stay within the consumer drone um, mm. organization. Many right. many companies um, have like military grants and connections where uh, technology from all sorts of organizations pretty much gets mainlined directly into the defense industry. Mm. Yeah. And even, even consumers aren't insulated from participating in these no, know, no. compartmentalized, mm-hmm. you know, I'm uh, uh, in criminal procedure, right? There's a, basically there was a court case a while ago and um, the, the gist of it goes that if the government wants to use something, or wants to do something that is not in the scope that ordinary users or ordinary citizens would use it or would do something, then they have to get a search warrant for it. That's that's a drastic oversimplification. But mm-hmm. when you think about drones, right, the police at this point, as of recording, can't fly a drone up to my window and peer inside. But as right. hobbyist, hobbyist droners are becoming mm. more prevalent and they're using it, if it becomes just a regular thing for people outside my complex to just be flying drones past my window, the police can just fly a drone past my window without without a a, a search warrant, and they can well, use that video Well, technically, your neighbors can't either. <laughs> they can't. I mean, but like what they rely yeah. on, what the police rely on in this circumstance, because eventually they would be able to. Mm-hmm. If, if and this is what the police are relying on, they're relying on me not filing suit against my neighbors who are flying drones. So I would, you know, if, if no one else listens to me, right. If no Mm -hmm. one listens, listen to this, right. Be very careful about where you're flying a drone because in the future, the use of drones becomes more accessible and also opens the door to police just using drones. And that's, to me, that's terrifying. So I'm a, or my, my license actually just expired, but I was formerly a uh, an FAA certified drone pilot. And there is there's actually a surprising, maybe not surprising, but there is significant regulation on drone use already, which which is a great thing. Um, but mo- like you're saying, most consumers don't abide by that. They could likely face fines of up to sixteen thousand plus dollars for using their their drones in an incorrect airspace right and that's that's just criminal like civilly, literally ci- yeah civilly you could just you could just sue them and be like listen you've invaded my privacy get the fuck out of my air like i want right. to look at the trees outside my window i don't want to technically looking anything in your window or anything viewable from the sidewalk would be fair game yeah 
um, you know, no matter what, if I walk out with, and that's as, as a photographer, I've done a lot of research into what these, these laws look like and look, uh, where with drones, where it always got sticky was viewing backyards, right? Something that is not publicly accessible. Um, right. and so there, there are regulations around that, but you know, if you're, if you're committing a crime and I'm looking in through your window, I don't need a warrant to say, I saw this and I took a video or a photo of this from, uh, from the street. Right. But that's why I live on the third floor. Smart. <laughs> and always keep your windows closed so you can commit um, crime. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's get into Q. Let's, let's talk about Q. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk about what Q is and also, I guess, how it's both correct and very wrong. Okay. <laughs> Q is hard to describe. It's hard to describe for the same reason that, like, Deep State is hard to describe, because there's just so many different aspects to it that, like, no one really has a cogent definition of Q. Q mm -hmm. is, generally speaking, some random dude who posted on 4chan back in, I think, 2017. Mm -hmm. He posted on 4chan saying that Donald Trump is the uh, part, of, part of this effort to uncover the Deep State. Mm. And... And he's called Q, he, assuming, because I honestly don't know of any single, of any woman that's ever been on 4chan in my entire life. So, assuming Q Different. is a man, assuming Q is a man, um, Q, it's called QAnon because on 4chan and on 8chan, you don't have usernames. It's all anonymous. So, users are called anons. So, he posted this thing about, I think what started it was that he posted about how calm before the storm is like a signal or something. And he signed a Q, and people kind of latched onto that, and they're like, "I like this." Mm -hmm. So, in May 2017, when when Robert Mueller was selected as the as the special counsel, the theory went that Donald Trump and Robert Mueller are working secretly together to uncover and disrupt the deep state, and that's kind of like the gist of it, right? Donald Trump is trying to undo the deep state and he's got like this supporters you know from all the different agencies who support mm -hmm. him and the goal was that the, the the goal that was stated was that robert Mueller would eventually very very publicly arrest the deep state so the people that are like the small group of people that are like viewed as if they are the government so in mm -hmm. right-wing parlance he was like going to arrest like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and uh, right. George Soros. Like that's it. That's basically the concept of it. That didn't happen. Um, and it's August 2020. No, <laughs> so, no, no. They've been replaced with body doubles. Uh, <laughs> shit. So, yeah. so that leads to like a very good point. Body doubles and like the cover up, right? Right. The cover up of the deep state. Cause like, of course, the idea of a deep state, like a small cabal of individuals who are controlling the government, is maybe not ludicrous, but, like, requires a little bit of a suspension of disbelief. And and so you make these, you know, adherence to QAnon, to this conspiracy theory, you know, kind of ignore the logic behind it. And they're, I'm reminded of a, must have been a 2005 movie based on a video game called Hitman. Mm -hmm. It was a bad movie. It was objectively a bad movie. I remember I, I played the Facebook game connected nice. to it. So. 
<laughs> back when like Farmville and Mafia Wars and all those games were a thing. I, oh, I yeah. played Mafia Wars. I also played Drug Wars. Mm-hmm. There was a Drug Wars mm-hmm. game on. Facebook I got. Play. I got embarrassingly far in Mafia Wars. Just Same. just throwing that out there. Like my Same. dad I was really into Mafia Wars. I didn't have a dad for like a year because he's yeah. Just I played Mafia, Mafia Wars, Wars with your dad like yeah, for I... a long period of time. Just to be clear, I I co-opted your father for <laughs> for that game specifically. That's not that's not fair. It's <laughs> <That's> not fair. <laughs> Jared got two dads, and Josiah got none. <laughs> Um, (laughs) take that nuclear family well and so and so yeah no you know i played god i played mafia wars so much um but yeah so that's the that's the general like concept of it is that you're going to arrest these small people and it really kind of hasn't gone anywhere what's really interesting is i think it i think it's really interesting but that's because but it's because i'm like I went to law school. I'm kind of deep into like administrative wonkiness. Mm-hmm. It's not just some random letter like a like the James Bond Q. It's like Q is actually a security clearance in I think uh, I believe I actually believe it's the energy department. So it's actually mm-hmm. a security clearance. And so they're like basically when they're signing off Q, what people assume because it's impossible to to verify and follow up with the poster. It's impossible right. to to follow up and be like hey is q an initial or is it you telling us your clearance yeah and so the and so a lot of people read into it and they're like oh how many q names are there i can think of quagmire (laughs) and that's it quentin quentin quagmire quincy Hmm. i've exhausted maybe some non-american names names. (laughs) i've exhausted my my q names but (laughs) Like so, a lot of people just read in that it's a security clearance that's used, and so and so they're like, oh, so he's got a Q security clearance from the energy department. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of like people believe if you believe that he's a government official, the way that he posts and the way that all the updates go, is that it sounds like he would be a high level DOD official or Justice Department official or someone in right. there because he talks about how Robert Mueller and Donald Trump are going to arrest the deep state. They're like a counter deep state. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird. Um but but they must but, not be very good. But you would expect you would expect someone who's talking about like, "Oh, we're leading a counter deep state." You would expect that person to be in the justice department. Because right. while these different departments, while the justice department and the DOD share information, and you know, you could also probably say that you know, the Justice Department and the Energy Department share information. It's all the reason it's a it's a Energy Department class like uh, classification security clearance is because there's a different security clearance at each. So you could have a Q security clearance in the Energy Department and not have mm-hmm. a security clearance to get corollary information, background information, underlying information from the Justice Department. Yeah. So that's that's Q. And I think Q is like an endlessly fascinating topic just because he's like Nostradamus in many ways and that he's just mm-hmm. so abysmally prolific at making yeah. con- at making claims and making predictions that like he's going to be right a handful. Right. There and there's a consideration too, you know, it being 4chan or 8chan with how anonymous it is, even if there is a guy who 
has the Q level clearance and has made a post trying to, to get some news out. That doesn't mean that every post hmm. by them is actually him. Right. Right. That's, and that's kind of like the problem that everyone's yeah. running into is like, and, and I think, I think the New York times, because I'm a mainstream fraud, um, right. Had like a, one of New York's elite. Yeah. Something right. like that. They, I think someone did an analysis of the, like the different Q posts. Like someone had archived them, sent them to a mm-hmm. news agency and this news agency, which is in itself problematic because algorithms can be flawed to yeah. basically determine or basically say, like analyze the different posts. And what they found was that like the posts were either all written by, by one bot that's just kind of like learning or it was written by, um, or the posts were all written by different people, which means that there's mm-hmm. good, which means that like in the most generous reading, you, you've got a group of people that have to be all on the same page with what information can be disclosed in a Q post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I, I worked on school projects <laughs> and yet for people to be on the same page with everything. You've got to like constantly touch base and be like, and be like, hey, uh, what's up? Have you done this? Have you done this? I mean, to be fair, there there are many tightly run groups, right? Like mm. the the group project analogy. Well, funny. I don't I don't know that that necessarily holds water. That a group of people cannot orchestrate something complex, right? And and they can orchestrate something complex. You know, case in point, I think uh, Unicorn Riot is yeah. like i think 10 people and they are one of the most tightly knit or tightly run i guess i i don't know if i'd call them a counter news organization but like a news organization that's right. uh, that's so tightly run in a way that you know it's it's a little bit different to to make the analogy but like the new york times isn't that tightly run even though they've got well, they, like 100 yeah. years on yeah, and the New York Times, uh, you know, struggles with the bureaucracy issue that you talked talked about before, or any any institutional organization that employs, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people, you'll run yeah. into that. Yeah, and that's like the longer an organization exists, that's a continuing problem, and that's part mm-hmm. of like you see this a little bit in changing cultures, and when people talk about wanting to change cultures in like Hollywood. That like yeah. it's an up, it's an obscenely white, obscenely male, kind of like an old boys club almost. Yeah. And Hollywood, and you talk about like changing that, but like Hollywood's been around for a long time. It takes a lot to change it. And right. the New York Times faces the same thing. That's why I think like as technology gets better, I think that it's a lot more, it's a lot easier for groups to mobilize and stay cohesive and you know, right, stay fluid. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the, the slow change, you know, it's, it's a feature, not a bug, right? This is all very intentional. Um, and so I've, the, you know, the last company I worked at was a hundred year old insurance company and change was so slow to a fault, not, not great at all. I now work for a startup and we have the opposite problem where things change far too fast. Um, I, I have a couple friends who, who work or worked for the same company that you for. And mm-hmm. like, they had the same thing of like, it's hard to change things in, in big old companies and big old yes. organizations. Yes. Well, this leads us to like how agents of 
this counter deep state would go about dismantling the deep state. Like if you if you yeah. believe that the deep state, you know, as embodied through the DOD, the Justice Department, the State Department, because you know when you talk about foreign policy, you're talking about the State Department, and when you think about how how can how can you end up um, dismantling the deep state? Well, you do what uh, like Rex Tillerson did when he was head of the State Department. And you basically, you, you, you ask for your funding to be cut. And, and yeah, there are like administrative hurdles, but you can get rid of all of that by just cutting funding and making everyone quit because they're right. just so unhappy. And that's, that's kind of like what you do, right? If you, if you want to dismantle the deep state or dismantle this administrative state, you just make all these career people so unhappy that they're like, fuck it, I'm out. And that's... Right. Spooky. Unless, you know, unless the deep state itself is something far, you know, too ingrained for that, right? Like, if this is a life vocation for that is dated back potentially hundreds, if not thousands of years, this becomes a different story where, where then we do have like a cult aspect to it. And I, and I don't know that that solution would necessarily hold water in, right. but in what that environment. Is, so the way that I foresee this working, right, is that if you have mm -hmm. the deep state, and and you have you know a um, defense secretary who is makes it so unbearable to mm -hmm. work at the DoD and like everyone quits. Those people who are passionate and are like, this isn't what I signed up for, and they quit. Yeah, right. But the deep state, those deep staters who are like part of this small cabal, they'll stay mm -hmm. because it's their job to stay because it's their job yeah. to then pursue and like and direct the DoD's uh policy agenda and then it becomes much right. easier to see them like if you if right. you, you know say say we're gonna get rid of staffers and all of our like middle management policy types of people but nothing changes in the in the direction of the dod and they're still mm -hmm. like hey can we get money for the war in iraq that would then show that like okay so it's so that lends credence to like it's not administrative Hmm. Right. As much as it is, in fact, a small cabal right. of people. But so then thank God for Trump. Facing, so then you're facing. <laughs> right, right. Ugh. But then you're facing like the the honest reality that like just because a bunch of people leave doesn't mean that the laws are different, and that's where right. the judicial branch comes in because we do have an independent judicial branch ostensibly. So the problem with that is that in each of these departments in the DoD, there's an inspector general that's supposed to be like. Hey, you're giving out contracts that shouldn't be given out. Every every single action has an auditor, and if it's not the inspector general of the agency, it's the just it's the judicial branch. And and someone, mm -hmm. anyone can well not anyone, but people can sue and say like, hey, you're still doing something wrong. So even if you gut an agency and things don't change, that's not necessarily proof that there's a deep state that there's a cabal, right. because you also have to look at the court records. Because the court records, mm -hmm. the, the the district court will say like, no, you violated the APA. You can't do this. You have to do these due considerations. You have to, you know, you have to make certain. Um, you have to hold hearings on this decision. And and so if you see that nothing's changed and the the department's been gutted, and there's no court record that you can find, which I will admit is like the one thing that I learned in law school. Is that I just I got really good at looking for court records, mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, if you can't find a court record and nothing changes, but the person in charge of the policy, the direct the the department head, the director of the of the um, agency, says that they want things to change, that's problematic in some ways. But yeah, no, I think the deep state and QAnon are fascinating. So Trevor, is the deep state real? And how how often how often do they uh, do they send you direct orders? Yeah. <laughs> so I I don't work for the federal government. So I work for the state government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say, if you ask me realistically, if the deep state exists, I would say no. Yeah. I would say no, it doesn't exist. Um, just because like I don't see it existing, but I do understand right. why it's so compelling and why people think it exists. Right. How often do they send me orders? I don't know, like once a week, maybe. Sure, Most of the time, it's sure. like stop playing Fortnite. <laughs> um, I would say that if there was a case to be made, a um, deep state, it would be found in the factual basis of deeply entrenched administrative bureaucracy in every single department, mm-hmm. e- even in like the DoD and the FBI, the Justice Department. It's a deeply yeah. ingrained. Um, it's a deeply ingrained. Uh, uh, administrative bureaucracy and it's also this american culture of independent agencies like the justice department is largely independent it's supposed to be largely independent the judicial mm-hmm. branch is supposed to be largely independent and those two things the vast bureaucracy and the kind of scary nature of um of you know the vast bureaucracies the idea that dhs can spy on people mm-hmm. from gmail Mm -hmm. is um fascinating Mm -hmm. but that the scariness combined with the administration combined with the um combined with the just the straight independence is really i think what gets to the core of does a deep state exist yeah yeah um i I think q is kind of interesting because um in some sense the deep state exists in some state in some sense it doesn't as we kind of talked about just with the nature of bureaucracy or whatever earlier on Q kind of fits your your thesis, especially about like conspiracies being um, uh, about like minimizing cognitive dissonance or whatever, because Q is taking this idea of a deep state and then making it like, oh, they're trying to fuck over, fuck over our, our Lord and Savior, Daddy Donald Trump, rather than call him Daddy. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that <laughs> with sarcasm, but. <laughs> like, <laughs> But it's, it's, or, you know, or, or whatever. Q is trying to fit the deep state into that when, you know, I guess with my thesis that I always kind of push, it it's just seems a little more banal than that. It is still evil, but it, it's just, it, or it, evil or bad or, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's more simple than that. But it's easier to believe that there's like this big rogue state within the state that's like trying to get rid of, uh, you know the the Republican Messiah, or whatever. Yeah, you know, for, and that's... for a non uh, for a non centrist podcast, it's amazing how every episode the conclusion is well, the answer is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Accurate. So, yeah, yeah. You know, so I guess is... I guess we should get to our final thoughts in this and stuff. We should probably be wrapping up here. I think the banal answer to does the deep state exist is like kind of, but like it's not a sexy deep state conspiracy to run the world. It's just mostly like we spent 240 years putting systems in place that guard our institutions. And that's what the deep state is. 
Right. I, I will say, I think, you know, where I land on this, I think that we would be foolish to to not believe that there is a, a relatively small group of people that has a disproportionate amount of amount of influence over yeah, national yeah. and global politics. And, you know, to me, that's kind of the deep state, right? The, okay. the, the people who both known and unknown um, who are in many ways pulling a lot of the strings, even though it doesn't, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a bunch of Satanists in robes who are, you know, doing occult rituals to bring about the coronavirus. Um, but instead, these are the the wealthy capitalists, the uh, the families, yeah. and the the powerful people behind the scenes who have a disproportionate amount mm. of influence on on the direction of of our our system. I, Looking I at think... you, Tim Cook and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I think a a way down the road episode that that we could do that would fit into this brand, um, Jared would be to read like both of us to read uh, "Manufacturing Consent" by Noam Chomsky mm. and get into that. Um, I don't know. I I remember running into a quote while I was just I was looking at like the Wikipedia page for conspiracy theory uh, earlier. You know, uh, as like you, you do. do. Yeah, for this unapologetically terribly researched podcast um fuck and what was the what was the there was a good quote yeah so noam chomsky was big on distinguishing uh the difference between conspiracy theory and institutional analysis uh part of the reason he did that is because he didn't want uh people calling what he was doing conspiracy theory because he he felt that like you know made it um less reputable or whatever uh, but but that that's the reason he did that is because I mean manufacturing consent is this whole fucking book about like the way in which you know a couple corporations basically run our media and I you know I, I think that would be an interesting turn to take this at some point is to go ahead and read it yeah so yeah is that our kind of our consensus here I yeah think so yeah I think all so. plausible yeah. yeah I think it I think it is plausible if if it's unsexy plausible yeah right right. Like, you know, Trump is is out there doing it, but he doesn't have a six pack kind of plausible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not a it's you know, you know, Trump is our savior, but he, he's not in yeah. a Ben Garrison cartoon. Uh, right. No. Right. Yeah, that's terrible. I can't even like jokingly say. So uh, official statement, very legal, very cool is pro Trump. Just to be yeah, clear. I, yeah. I'm trying to say that for, for uh, like, irony joking purposes, but I feel nauseous while I'm saying it, so I don't know. Oh, We've we gone go too far, you know? We can be pro-Trump. <laughs> we could be, like, pro-Mary Trump, who just yeah. released a book that's like, by the way, I heard my uncle, Uncle Donnie, use racial slurs a lot. <laughs> a shocking revelation. We <laughs> didn't see no. that coming. So, like, I'm like pro, Christ I'm incarnate. Pro- I'm pro I'm pro Mary Trump is what is what you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Well, I guess we're we're gonna move on in a second here to like the final segments. I think we'll go through them kind of quick though, since uh we've gone pretty pretty late here. Uh before we go on them though, I'm gonna two hours. Yeah, I'm gonna pause and run to the restroom real quick and then I'll be ready to go for our last couple minutes or whatever. You and All me right. both. This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is sponsored by Very Legal, Very Cool. 
Great Legal, Very Cool is a podcast hosted by Josiah and Jared, where they explore, where they talk about things, where they talk about things that they've poorly researched for maybe half an hour or so on Wikipedia. Now and again, they'll bring in interesting guests, mostly people that they know from their various friend groups, and they'll talk about topics that these friends may or may not be experts in. And that's pretty much the show. And now back to your feature presentation. Very legal, very cool. The one about the deep state. This episode is brought to you in part by the deep state. We consist of several very wealthy, influential people who are pulling all the strings behind everything you do. The deep state. It's deep. This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is brought to you by Twitter. Keep tweeting. Back. This episode of Very Legal, Very Cool is brought to you by Josiah. Josiah is a frequent podcast guest and occasional host at Very Legal, Very Cool. He, as previously stated, gets most of his politics largely from leftist web browsing games. I did not say that. Thanks. For supporting this podcast, I'm. Re- I read books, okay. <laughs> like in video games, you read books, or no, I read books. <laughs> I'm Ooh, reading, my name's like, Josiah, and I read I'm, books. Okay, I'm, wow. I am a lefty man. I'm reading Paulo Freire right now. I'm fucking reading Lenin. Okay, leave me alone. You just need to get <laughs> yourself some Frida Kahlo. Read no. some of her poetry. What? Let's look at her, some of her paintings. She's beautiful. This episode yeah, of Very Legal, Very Cool brought to you by Truly because Josiah drinks so much Truly that they literally told us that they will pay us to stop drinking Truly. Well, that's Josiah, good. how many? They have, how many? They have too much money. Have you had? Oh, just just three. Just three. Nice. Yeah, and a vodka drink. So you'd had a Truly drink, and you've had a vodka drink. A truly have you considered drink, a uh, cider a drink or a lager drink? What about a whiskey drink? I sing a, a song that reminds me of the good times. But have you sung a song that reminds you of the better times? Oh, Danny boy. Okay, this is a dumb bit. Have, they, <laughs> have we ever actually lived in a good time? Like, I'm I'm in my late 20s, and I have not, list, I have not lived in a good time. I remember a, a professor joking at me to, like, my class. He's like, you know, oh, man, you guys were all born in, like, mid or late 90s. You know, he's like, oh, you guys didn't know what it's like to not be alive for war. To, like, be alive for not war. <laughs> like, we yeah. pretty much had that's war, weird, 9-11, man. recessions, <laughs> yeah, uh, 2012 guess. apocalypse. And the 2020 apocalypse. Mm. The 2016 uh, apocalypse. Well, yeah. So, like, to put it into context, right, I wasn't always super into politics and news, and I wasn't always super aware of it. But I do remember when I was probably in first grade, first or second grade, making so many just ill, like, ill-advised jokes. If I, if, if I could now go back to then and, like, tell seven-year-old me, eight-year-old me, six-year-old me to stop making jokes about something, I'd tell him to stop making jokes about, uh, stop making stupid fucking jokes about Monica Lewinsky. Like, that's oh, yeah. the very first, like, political memory that I have was Monica Lewinsky. And then it got worse. You heard it here first. Trevor is canceled. Yeah. Finally. That's what it, 
<laughs> that's why that's why I don't uh, spend much time on Twitter anymore. He says spending four hours a day on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> Josiah is actually the one that got me politically engaged, but that's when we were both, you know, very right wing. That like, is true. Very right wing. That's very weird. That's a whole weird thing, uh, you know, to reconcile with on this podcast was, uh, yeah, our, our conservatives, we, they were bad. <laughs> hey, me too. You know, I, I, I grew up in that environment uh, and I, and it, it was, I, I'm still 90% positive that the reason my, my, my parents divorced is because I told my parents that like, I can't support uh, right-wing politics. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of like really interesting concepts about that, about like, do your parents, um, the way that your parents talk about politics, does that influence children's politics like yeah, like sure. do you, like like when i was a kid i remember being like oh yeah i'm a republican and i was like fourth grade and yeah. and i and i said it and i thought it because it's like okay cool you know my and there was a part of me that you know thinking back you know it was like well do i want my parents to be proud of me and to or am i just parroting like what my parents are telling are telling right, me right um who's to say i i didn't we say? didn't have twitter and i when i was in the fourth grade so right. I can't like I can't pull up my parents' Twitter and be like, "Dad, you did some dumb fucking shit." Yeah, I mean it's right. interesting because like on Twitter, you know, obviously pretty surrounded by the leftist stuff, but in, in my real actual life, the vast majority of people I know are Republicans. Yeah, for sure. Not same. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, like, well, yeah. So like where I live, where I live, and the type of work that I do is so. Mm-hmm. So like I do live in New York and like yeah. where I live in New York and the kind of work that I do in New York is like it's just damn near impossible especially because like now the Senate is democratic majority and mm-hmm. the assembly is democratic majority and there's a democratic governor like it's hard to find like interactions with people that aren't like you know republicans but they're not as like common as they used to be around the area yeah they've all yeah. moved on to like cushy lobbying gigs speaking of cushy uh lobbying gigs uh why don't you advertise our patreon oh yeah 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 of course um so you can you can find uh very legal very cool on patreon at very legal very cool uh send them money i believe ten dollars and they will insult you and twenty dollars they will insult you and i will insult you um Mm. Okay. Actually, actually, I'll insult you regardless. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, you can find Very Legal, Very Cool on Patreon at Very Legal, Very Cool. You can find them on Twitter uh, at, uh, I think it's uh, V Legal, V Cool on Twitter. V Legal, uh, V Cool Pod. V Legal, V Cool Pod. And that's, uh, it's one of the more uh, entertaining uh, feeds that I follow. Um, that's high praise. We appreciate that. We appreciate uh, yeah, I'm just looking for that follow back. Harken back <laughs> to MySpace follow for follow. Um, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you, you have to earn it, you know? <laughs> I, I actually, I actually, I think the last time I tweeted, let me just double check. I think the last time I tweeted was to basically all like the three percenters, the get off my lawn um, kind of people who uh, tweet about, um, who tweet about uh, protecting the Second Amendment because of a tyrannical government. I basically just called I called them all assholes because like, I was like, because like Portland's happening right now and they're like, oh, but property damage is like, OK, cool. Get the fuck out of my face. 
Right, right. <laughs> You're going to have to cut out so much of this pod because because <laughs> I've been going. drinking and it's like, all right, cool. Drop an F-bomb here. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> we we don't actually, we're not actually a, a, a language-free podcast. Just just to be uh, clear. Thank I God. was thinking about it for just this episode, uh, doing bleeps every time you say <laughs> word. I think that'd be pretty funny. That would be that hilarious. That would be hilarious. And then just put in like random bleeps. Of- yeah, just yeah we could implicate much. Trevor in something weird just by, you know, creative censorship. Fuck yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't have any more patrons, so... uh... Yeah, so we've actually run out of patrons to insult, so (laughs) we need you to do your part and sign up for our Patreon. Holy shit, who are we going to make fun of? This is not cool. This is Um, the moment. Let's see, do we have any new reviews on on iTunes? I don't... Let me see if Michael filled into his his promise. I will say that um, one of the more recent episodes that i listened to uh mm-hmm. you guys mentioned uh i think you did actually mention elon musk and his dad stealing emeralds in south africa yeah. or something like that yeah. there's a podcast that you guys should check out called behind the bastards they do mm. so many really mm. good episodes on like really shitty people and the host yeah, yeah, is an good. investigative journalist i i love robert oh, nice. evans yeah yeah no robert evans yeah i don't listen yeah, to podcasts so what even is a podcast well, um, who among us? Well, it looks like uh, nobody's done any reviews. So, uh, so you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cut Look, I'm that. not mad. I'm just disappointed. All right. All right. So well, you know where I that leads that, us. That moves us to the next segment. We're pushing for the seconds. Fast. Yeah, fuck. Twitter news. Do, 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 do. I don't know, we've been backlogging podcasts pretty rapidly, so I'm pretty podcasted out. And also, not enough time has passed for new things to happen on Twitter for me to talk about. So, uh, uh, let me see. What... No, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> anyway, I was all at... Okay, all I was gonna say is that uh, hashtag Vore Day is trending, and I don't I don't want to know why it's trending. I don't know why it's trending. That's the update on Twitter. Twitter's bad. Don't do it. Uh, we've uh, firmly established that on this podcast. Uh, you delete your Twitter account. Uh, go get some sunshine. Okay, this has been Twitter news. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy well i don't want to ever let you have a soundboard again next episode no soundboard no no this soundboard is my pride and joy i hate you this is the only reason i do the podcast that makes sense Well, all right. I guess we got plugs and then we're out of here, bros. Damn.
All right. Uh, what? Yeah, Trevor, why don't you start? What are you plugging today? Uh, I am going to plug. See, I've got a Twitter, but it's so private. So, like, follow me on Twitter. I think I'm Starfox Command on Twitter. Uh, good luck finding me. Um, yeah, I'm Starfox Command on Twitter. So plug that. I also plug if you're really interested in like deep dives into like really shitty people. I'm gonna plug Behind the Bastards. And if you really like news and also hate yourself, I would also recommend uh, Dre McKesson's uh, Pod Save the People. Those are my plugs. I don't have my own podcast because I'm a hack and a fraud. And you call yourself a straight white male. I never said I was straight. That's, there you go. Fair, fair. We're making assumptions. Jared, what are you plugging today? Sorry, sorry. All right. Um, well, so I'm, uh, for one, I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. I'm plugging the soundboard. Best purchase of 2020 <laughs> by far. Um, and I would also like to plug the book Chaos. Uh, by Tom O'Neill that I, I started reading a couple days ago, have read a significant amount today, and it's pretty good. It's going to it's gonna make a conspiracy theorist out of me yet. So excited for that. That's good. What about you, Josiah? What are you uh, plugging? Yeah, I'll, I'll plug uh, Going Outside. You uh, should do that more. Turn off Twitter, step outside. Uh, it's, you know, whatever. But if you're insistent, you're insisting, oh, I need to listen to a podcast right now. I need constant stimulation. Um, I'll, I'll plug the A-Lab series. Um, A-Lab is A-L-A-B. It stands for All Lawyers Are Bastards. Um, and our Hell good yeah. friend... Yeah, they're bastards. And confirm. <laughs> um, and our, our good friend, who is now a friend of the pod, uh, the Hell Dude, or Tarek, is on that he does podcast. not know that he's a friend of the pod. He doesn't know point, he's a friend clear, yet. But... He just quote tweeted us, and that that seems like it. Uh, that's my plugs. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will go back and plug. Um, and it's and it's a it's an album I've been just mainlining for probably eight weeks now. I've been mainlining nice. Lady Gaga's new album. So oh, yeah. if you haven't had the opportunity, listen to Chromatica. It is it is just so good. Terrific. Well, gang, I think that's everything. I think that's it. We All did right. it. Well, 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 thank you for listening to Very Legal, Very Cool, the Internet's only legal podcast, the Back to School special. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Legal, The Cool Pod um, and other social medias as well, but you can, you'll figure it out. Uh, our music is uh, Garage Band Loop that I struck a drum, drum beat behind. Um, I like that that our episodes are getting progressively longer. Uh, yeah. We're at this is probably this is definitely our longest episode yet. Yeah. So I don't I don't like that that it keeps getting longer. It's <laughs> no. gonna stop. <laughs> no, it's it's rough for you.